Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Today, we're looking at the book of Acts. This is the movement he called the church. I want to talk to you about the idea of being one. And it's really cool because Phoebe brought her communion message about being one. She did not know what I was, I was preaching on. I did not know what she was bringing communion on. But the importance of being one and how Jesus established practices that cause us to be one and then enabled us to be one as the church of Jesus Christ. A famous poet, a famous poet once wrote, Have you come here for forgiveness? Have you come to raise the dead? Have you come here to play Jesus to the lepers in your head? Did I ask too much? More than a lot. You gave me nothing. Now it's all I got. We're one, but we're not the same. Well, we hurt each other. Then we do it again. You say love is a temple. Love a higher law. Love is a temple. Love a higher law. You ask me to enter, but then you make me crawl and I can't be holding on to what you got when all you got is hurt. One blood, one love, one life. You got to do what you should. One love with each other, sisters, brothers. Thank you, Bono. Uh, Andy Logan in Armadale, I didn't sing it. You're welcome. And, um, but this idea of oneness is so important. That is a song that captured the imagination of a generation. And then Mary J. Blige took it to a whole new level when she sang it with him. Um, the Pledge of Allegiance in America says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. This idea of oneness. You may know that our national anthem was recently, recently changed from young and free to one and free, that we are one and free. The idea of being one is so powerful. It's something that people want for their nation. It's something that people want for their family, that we would be one together. There is strength in unity. The Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. But the inverse is also true that a house that is united can take a lot of hits together. And so today, as we kick off our journey, I'd love to unpack the ways that Jesus ensured that the early church would be built on oneness. Firstly, first thing you need to know is that oneness is not sameness. Oneness is not sameness. Otherwise, there's no need for oneness because we're already the same. We're fine. We're one. There's, no, there's nothing hitting up against that. Oneness is not sameness. You don't have to be the same. Who looks at the person next to you and says, thank the Lord for that? You might do so. So we start in the book of Acts with Jesus having already revealed that he was very much alive. We're kicking off and Dr. Luke is talking here. He says, in my first book, which was the book of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, about everything. Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl, Linnea? Because Theophilus is a good name for a baby. Yeah. Um, I reckon it could go either, boy or girl for Theophilus. Uh, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, so for those of you who may be new to church, you might be familiar with Easter that Jesus did indeed suffer and die uh, and that on Easter Sunday we celebrate that he rose again. <clears throat> what you might not know is that he hung around for a bit. And it says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So here we have Luke setting the scene that Jesus is walking with the disciples. Jesus walked. Kanye, come on. Jesus walked with me. <laughs> We've got a rapper in here. Andy, that was for you. Um, <clears throat> okay. Andy Logan, for all of you who don't know, he hates it when I sing in Armadale. So I just like to pull it out every now and then. 
Um, so <clears throat> Jesus' main topic before he left his bride was the kingdom. So it's really important, really important, the kingdom. Now, you know, at the movie series here in Tamworth and in um, Gyra and in Armadale, I preached a message about the kingdom of God. Sorry, Bendy and Gundadaran online. Um, but it was, I'm just going to give you the rundown now. The, the kingdom of God is upside down. The kingdom of God is upside down. It, it, is, it doesn't make sense to our normal thinking. We are not called as people of God who follow God to be confirming culture, to be conforming to culture, or even to be concerning ourselves much with culture, but rather to be bringing kingdom culture wherever we go. And that kingdom culture has crazy things in it. Like if you want to live your best life, then you need to lay that life down. If you, It's more blessed to give than it is even to receive. That if you've got enemies, pray for them. If you've got people cursing you, bless them. If people hate you, love them. That's the upside down nature of the kingdom. And that's what God, that's what Jesus was talking all about. He said, the kingdom has come. He asked us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, not in heaven one day, but on earth as it is in heaven right now. Called as the people of God to bring a kingdom reality to the earth that we're living in, not to conform to culture, not to confirm to culture, not to concern ourselves with culture, but to bring kingdom culture wherever we go and bring it upside down. Also, it's inside out. We can't bring this culture by just trying to do behaviour modification, but we have to have an inward transformation in our life. That is what the kingdom is all about. Though you can't clean up the outside of the cup. You need a whole new cup that's been washed and cleaned on the inside to begin to serve what God wants to serve to the people around you. That it's an inward transformation. If you just go with cleaning up the outside and behaviour modification, you'll just be annoying. But if it's an inward transformation, then things begin to flow out of your life. And not only that, it's eternity now. Like I said, heaven isn't one day somewhere out there. We're bringing heaven to earth right now. We're bringing heaven, the kingdom of heaven to earth right now. That is our mandate as the people of God. And Jesus talks to them about the kingdom of God. Now, the disciples understood it probably a little bit more like we would understand it. And, uh, but Jesus was talking about a new reality starting right now. That we're operating, yes, on an earthly plane with fleshly bodies and, and, and wants and desires and everything else that we've got going on, but also on this heavenly plane as well. So why is that important to oneness? Why would the kingdom of God be so important to oneness? Because belonging to the kingdom of God just levels the playing field. It doesn't matter if you live on Panorama Road or White Street or Flinders Street. It doesn't matter if you live in South Hill Armadale, it doesn't matter if you live in Black Mountain or Breezer Plains or Moonby, we are all on this level playing field. That the kingdom of God means that it doesn't matter if we're, as Paul writes, slave or free, as Phoebe was saying, if we're in Christ, it doesn't matter if we're slave or free, male or female, Jew or Gentile. There's neither barbarian or Scythian, which a guy called Goldenberg says that that's talking about the colour of our skin. It doesn't matter what colour of skin we have, that in fact, that we're one. It doesn't matter if we're uncircumcised or circumcised, which is a weird place to leave that on if we're not familiar with the biblical significance of that procedure. Moving on. Actually, funny story I may have told you. Um, at Shine, I was talking to everyone about how I'd never shorn a sheep, but I used to hold the lambs while my dad castrated them. Well, after the service, I went to, took Ketty to dinner and she said, I had no idea that you could circumcise sheep. I'm like, that's not what we do. It's not, no. And then I just couldn't get out of my head, like just shearing all of them, but the bits at the front and going, there you go, Reuben. See your bar mitzvah. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. 
Back to one. Stop talking about that. Lockie, let's stop talking about that. Okay. Jesus wanted the early church to understand that they were built on the foundation of the kingdom. And in the kingdom that we are one. We have all the differences that Paul mentioned. You look around this room, there's so many differences, but it doesn't make any difference to how God will use us. How God will use us. What's your internal reaction to that today? Are you like, are you serious, Bron? Like, is there something, excitement that lifts up in you? Like, are you serious? Like, literally, there's no barrier to me being used by God. Does that lift your spirits? I hope that you can sense that, yes, that is absolutely God's plan and has always been and will always be from Eden to Zion. That is what He wants for us. That it doesn't matter. There's no barrier to you being used by Him except for your willingness. Maybe you feel a tension around it. You're like, oh, He'll use anyone. Hmm. And, and I want to suggest to you that maybe that's an area of your privilege that you feel like might get let go of a little bit. That maybe your position, you need to turn around and use your position or your platform to raise other people up who don't have the same position and platform as you and encourage them in their walk with God. Whatever it is, this is the movement he called the church. When a bunch of people put aside their rights and their inherited roles to redeem, to reconcile and restore all people as one, oneness. Let's go to the next verse, verse four. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them. So that's cool. If you thought that maybe Jesus was just like this floaty being, he actually ate, he had a stomach. He was alive, alive. And he was eating them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptised with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? This is the earthly understanding of kingdom, that we get freed, that the oppression that we're currently under is removed and we get to rule and reign. Jesus is like, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The first way oneness is determined is through the explanation of all that the kingdom means. And we just looked at that. But as we can see here, Jesus focuses them on the next thing, that they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes through this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we continue through chapter two, and we, do, we unpack it a fair bit in the midweek study this week, I'll just retell it to you. They're gathered in an upper room and the believers are all there. There's about 120. And then all of a sudden... While they're there, a mighty wind begins to blow and they hear this mighty wind. It says that they hear a mighty wind roaring through and it's like a, a mighty windstorm. Flames of fire appear. Now, if Bella was here, she would say trigger because even though it was six years ago, everything's a trigger to the house fire. But anyway, the flames of fire appeared and, and they, uh, flames of fire appeared and then they separated out to be an individual flame on each believer's head. But it wasn't like a burning fire. It was like a, an appearance of a fire. And these flames appeared and they began to speak and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and he gave them the ability to speak in languages that they hadn't learned before. Who wants that gift? Like I just all of a sudden, oh, I'm in Italia. Oh, no, cappuccino, please. Um, and I can all of a sudden speak Italian. I would love that. Now, everyone that's there, because there's a festival of weeks going on and so a bunch of people have gathered from outlying areas to Jerusalem, like heaps and heaps, they say tens of thousands for that feast. And they're all there and they hear this going on and they're like, what on earth is happening? These men are from Galilee. 
Now that would be like us saying, these guys are from Tambar Springs. Like if you're from Tambar Springs, no offence, but if you say you're from Tambar Springs and you're an astrophysicist, everyone's like, wow, really? Like it's unexpected. And so it was with Galilee. These people were unschooled, ordinary men. By the way, Tambar Springs produced an amazing comedian. So go Tambar Springs. Anyone here from Tambar Springs? Yeah, what about Tampa Springs, hey? <laughs> um, but uh, so he, he's, they're, they're unschooled, ordinary men. Um, the Greek is idiote, so that gives you a clue. And, and, they, and then all of a sudden they can speak fluent other languages. There's people from all over. There's Medes, there's Cretans, there's Fergians, there's people from Mesopotamia, there's people from Cappadocia, there's people from all different places, some Arabs, it says. And it says that they all heard them speaking in their own language. And what were they saying? They were speaking of the wonderful things that God has done, the amazing things that God has done. But how does that speak to oneness? Well, just as the kingdom of heaven creates an even playing field, so the Holy Spirit is a great leveler. So everyone that decides to follow Jesus, the Bible says that they become indwelt, that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them. Immediately, that's what happens. God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. How does that work? I don't know, but I love it. I love that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Now, when someone says, I have a doctorate in theology, I say, I love that for you. I've got the Holy Spirit. (laughs) No, no, education is awesome and great, but it's not like we have this superiority complex because every single one who decides to follow Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. So it's a great leveler. It's awesome. And, and, and as we walk with the Holy Spirit, He bears His fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He begins to bear those fruit in our lives. How cool is that? He leads us into all truth. He's our advocate. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He is amazing. And we all get to say, I have the Holy Spirit. But wait, there's more. The Holy Spirit was able to endow these unschooled and ordinary believers with the ability to speak languages they hadn't learnt to the glory of God. And the reason that they were doing it, as you'll see in the week study, not the reason, but one of the the applications, one of the things that happened was that they were able to break the first cultural barrier to the gospel. It's already happening. But wait, there's more. Because Peter points out that what has happened is a, a result of what the prophet Joel promised. So quick refresh. Holy Spirit, there at the start, in the uncreated mess, the waters of the deep, the home, just like messy, chaotic, nothing going on. But the Holy Spirit is right there with energetic, life-giving and creative potential ready to unleash life upon the earth and, and just like wants to go at it. Like, I'm, I'm with you, God. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's make this creation happen. And there he is. He's just hovering over the waters. Then all of a sudden, um, throughout time, well, obviously we plunged ourselves back into chaos. But then he's there again and, and he comes and rests upon certain people for certain tasks, to lead a nation, to create something amazing, uh, to say something amazing. And then the prophet Isaiah promises that he'll rest on a future leader. And that was, that was unheard of, that he would come and rest, that he wasn't just coming for a task or to empower for a moment that he'd come and rest. But then Joel comes along and he says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are you young? He wants to pour out his spirit on you. Are you old? He wants to pour out his spirit on you. Are you male? He wants to pour out his spirit on you. Are you female? He wants to pour out his spirit on you. Whosoever wills, the fire of the Holy Spirit is coming. 
And if we believe that the Holy Spirit is only for the chosen, that chosen will soon become the frozen because the Holy Spirit lights a fire under every believer who wants to participate in His work. And He he has come, He indwells us already, but also He wants to pour out upon us, the book of Acts says, and to empower us for our, our everyday life. Now, you might say, well, if He's filling me, why would I want Him to pour out? Hasn't He already poured out? Like, shouldn't we be singing, you poured your spirit out? Echo, you poured your spirit out. You poured your spirit out. You poured your spirit out. We, shouldn't we be singing that? Wouldn't that be more correct? No, because, all right, big word. This is a present, perfect, continuous participle. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> what that means is that this being filled is a continuous event that happens. Every day you wake up, you can say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Yes, you already have the Holy Spirit, but it is totally correct for you to pray, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You want prayer this morning, you can say, I want to be filled even more with the Holy Spirit. Moment by moment, you can say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you dwell in me, but I want to uh, uh, um, tap into the eternal reservoir that pours out to me. I want to be made one in you. And so the idea is that everything is made one, every tribe and tongue, one under Christ, all creation reconciled to him, made one by the power of his Holy Spirit. And this is the movement that he called the church, where a bunch of people put aside their rights and inherited roles and chose to reconcile, restore and redeem wherever they could, but also where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in his people and pours out upon his people and fills them with power. The Holy Spirit comes, it's epic, followed as it must be by the preaching of the gospel. Peter shares the news with the astounded crowd. God was on earth as Jesus. He, He got killed, but God knew that would happen. He rose again. He went back to heaven and continues to be God. We didn't recognize him as God while he was here, so we need to do that now. And you might be someone like, oh, I didn't recognize Jesus as God. And you can do that now. You can say, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to follow you. I want to not go my own way. And in verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So they were baptized. Not only was the kingdom of God preached, not only was the Holy Spirit poured out, but the people were baptized. Now, Peter never once said, make sure you reach this inward state of perfection and then get baptized. Peter never said, now guys, you just got to make sure that you're really serious about this and give it some time, let the decision settle, make sure it actually works and then get baptised. He says, show your seriousness by walking through the waters of baptism. And you might say, well, what is baptism, Bron? Baptism, baptismo means to be immersed in water. That's why we didn't immerse little Kiara in water this morning. You might have seen some of the churches overseas where they're pick him up by the legs and dunk the baby in the water. I do want to try it one day. So if anyone has a baby that they want to get baptised, I'm your person. Um, but, but we don't because that's Kiara's decision when she gets older. If she decides to follow Jesus, then it will be part of her public statement to her church family and anyone that she wants to invite that she's going into the waters of baptism. And to this Jewish people, they they fully understood because the idea of going through waters for salvation, not like as part of salvation, was completely familiar to them. I just told you about creation and how the world was created by the parting of the waters. The created, the chaotic mess of waters was given boundaries and the water was parted for creation. 
later on and we read the story of Noah where a family is saved um, and, and at, the, at the end of it, through the water, at the end of it, the waters are parted and they uh, have humanity 2.0. We know in the book of Exodus where they walk through the waters that have been parted through to their salvation out of captivity. So this motif of going through the waters is very familiar for the Jewish people. Not so much for us, but we're told about it and we, we hear about it. John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus and says, repent and be baptised. And then Jesus himself goes through the waters of baptism. And when he does, it says that a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. That act of obedience pleased the father. We read later in the book of Acts where um, a guy goes to uh, talk to an Ethiopian eunuch about salvation and explains to him about the goodness of God and who God is and what God's done. And the Ethiopian says, well, there's some water right there. Why don't I just get baptised right now? And Philip's like, excellent point, let's do it. You know, here in Tamworth, we've got the baptismal font back and it's sitting over here. And for the whole month of November, after church in the 10 a.m., we're just going to make it available for anyone who wants to get baptised. Um, if you want to get baptised and you want your pastor to book in the baptismal font, go and ask them straight after the service. But in Gunnedah, there's heaps of water around. Just walk out the front and get baptised. <laughs> if you're in Bendemeer or Armadale or Gary, just crack the ice on top and just start baptising people. And, uh, but here we've got the tepid pool, so that'll be a blessing. <laughs> Maybe today you're like, there's some water right there. What's to stop me from getting baptised? And Jess Rankins is getting baptised this morning. Oh, it's very exciting. You might like to join her. Um, this is what the Bible says in Romans. It says, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died, symbolically, and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This is not just a thing that we do. This is symbolic and powerful. When Jess goes into the water of baptism, she's saying, I want the power of God in my new life and I want to live it under Him. Verse 5, since we've been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. But now that He lives, He lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus and going through the waters of baptism shows that that is how serious you are. I'm getting baptised. Dunk me, Bron. I want to go into the water. I want to come out a new person. I, I already am on the inside, but I want to show everyone that that's the decision that I've made. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. That's the Holy Spirit, obviously that we are baptised to form one body. He preached the kingdom, and the team can come back now. He preached the kingdom because he wanted to make sure that we were one in the kingdom, that we forgot about our status, our privilege, our bank balance, anything like that, and we're all one in the kingdom. And then he talked about he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a slave. It doesn't matter if you're king. It doesn't matter if you're a male. It doesn't matter if you're a female. The Holy Spirit can be poured out upon you for His purpose. And not only that, when you get baptised, you are baptised into that oneness. And that's a plan that He had for the church. This is the movement that He calls the church. 
movement equals a church where the kingdom is preached, where the Holy Spirit is poured out with power and where people are baptised into one body. You might say, well, that's not the church I see today. I don't see it. People are gossiping. People are divided. This church down the road doesn't like that church up the road. So let's just go, okay, what am I doing to protect the oneness of the church of Jesus Christ? What, what, what's my conversation? What am I doing to protect that oneness? It's why we say at Baby Dedications, hey church, we speak well of this family. Will you lift them up? We're not going to tear people down in this place. We're going to ensure that we're constantly encouraging. We're going to be Barnabases. We're going to be encouraging people always. Blake and Sarah are doing a tough time. I'm not talking about it to you. I'm talking about it to God and I'm praying for them and interceding on their behalf. I hope you're not having a, they're not having a tough time, guys. Blake and Sarah are going awesome. <laughs> Everything is really good. But imagine that. That's, we're just protecting the unity of the church praying for them, having their backs. We'll protect the oneness of this family that God has seen fit to put us in. You know, it's interesting, new Christians don't tend to have a problem with oneness. And you can think back to when you were a new Christian, just so stoked to be saved and feeling the love of God. And then as time goes on, you begin to wonder if the grass is greener. You begin to notice some things. You begin to see some things and you're like, oh. And you know what fixes that? Persecution. When the body of Christ gets persecuted, then we all come back together and we all have each other's backs again and we go through it again. So if you want to pray for persecution for the church of Jesus Christ, you make that a prayer point. Now, this was all set in place to accomplish what Jesus prayed for you and I in, in John. He said, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What's your next step to ensuring that you'll be one? Are you ushering in the kingdom with everything that you say and do? Recognising that you live under an open heaven and you need to bring that everywhere that you step your foot. Are you, are you cognizant of the authority that you have in Jesus Christ to change the atmosphere wherever you walk? Jesus walks with me. <laughs> yes, she is a white rapper. <laughs> Do you need to be baptised? Here's some water. Why not be baptised? Make the choice. Do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, online, uh, in locations, I'm going to hand you back to your local pastor. But before I do, I just want to read you this passage in Joel. It says, thousands upon thousands. It's the same um, book that Peter quoted. Thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. There the day of the Lord will soon arrive. Thousands upon thousands are waiting in the valley of decision. Maybe your first step to oneness in Christ is simply coming out of the valley of decision and saying, no, I've, I've decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not gonna wait any longer. I'm gonna be ready for the day of the Lord. Is it time to come out of the valley of decision and make your stand? And so everywhere and every location and here in the room, can we just close our eyes and ponder that decision today? Do you wanna come out of the valley of decision where you've been exploring and umming and ahhing and thinking maybe and maybe not, and I'm not sure, 
and just go, Jesus, I've decided to follow You. I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow You, Jesus. No turning back. I'm not gonna go my own way anymore. I'm gonna follow You. And if that's you, you, just right now in your heart, pray that prayer, tell Jesus, I've decided to follow You. No turning back. No turning back. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.